I am Thomas Solomon, and you are listening to the VO2 Podcast. As Cassian Andor once said, rebellions are built on hope. I have discussed many different routes to increasing fat oxidation rates during exercise and the training manipulations you can use to reduce your carbohydrate availability. But a persistent low carbohydrate diet will likely reduce your economy and endurance performance. If you are an athlete with a habitual low carb munching habit looking to be the best you can be, you would be wise to join the Carbohydrate Periodization Rebellion. Hear all about it in this final part of my series on nutritional manipulations for training. I have previously discussed how you can use acute nutritional strategies for lowering carbohydrate availability in and around certain sessions, train low and sleep low and how you can adopt a chronic low-carbohydrate, high-fat dietary strategy for the same purpose, live low. As you now know, lowering your carbohydrate availability decreases muscle glycogen levels, increasing fat oxidation rates during exercise, and promoting exercise adaptations, particularly those that help you be more aerobic for longer, creating more energy-producing mitochondria in your muscles and more enzymes to catalyse those energy-producing reactions. A chronic, low-carb, high-fat dietary approach, ketogenic or not, may therefore seem like a great idea for giving your endurance performance a high-octane fuel injection. Yes, you may indeed very likely increase your run time to exhaustion at a low exercise intensity due to your increased ability to burn fat for longer. But the downside is that you will also become less economical, burning more oxygen at a given pace. And you will blunt your muscles' capacity for burning glucose, the more economical and more rapidly burning fuel that is required to meet the demand of high-intensity exercise. The consequence of which is that you will most likely decrease your race performance when operating at high intensities. That does not sound like an admirable goal. No matter how that sounds, and despite what we have all learned from the 100 years of the carb wars, there are still many folks who continue promoting the low-carbohydrate diet approach for excelling as an endurance athlete. Well, since rebellions are built on hope, if you sit on that side of the fence, I have one suggestion for you. Why not rebel and use the best of both worlds? A new hope. Welcome to carbohydrate periodization. By using context and perspective, I previously helped you reformulate the boring and uninspired low-carb versus high-carb debate by considering the question, is carbohydrate a friend you train with regularly or a friend you see from time to time? If you habitually adhere to a low-carbohydrate ketogenic diet and are looking to maximise your endurance performance, that is, run as fast as you can for a long time, instead of persistently living low, I would encourage you to consider purposefully mixing train low, sleep low and train high approaches. Consider using carbohydrate periodization, 
a method where you occasionally instill low carbohydrate availability in and around some training sessions, train low and sleep low, while ensuring high carbohydrate availability during key sessions, train and race high. By the late 2000s, it became clear that starting a workout with low muscle glycogen, train low, causes a bigger increase in the expression of genes that trigger mitochondrial biogenesis and fuel substrate metabolism. However, endurance performance was not improved by training low, likely because low carbohydrate availability decreased the athlete's ability to sustain high-intensity workloads during sessions in those studies. On the contrary, sleep-low training allows for high carbohydrate availability to support an evening high-intensity session while using low carbohydrate availability to help boost the adaptations to low to moderate intensity sessions the following morning. Consequently, carbohydrate periodization combines train low, sleep low and train high approaches aiming to manipulate exercise adaptations while maintaining fuel availability when you need it most. This method is simplified into a more eloquent conceptualization by James Morton's group fuel for the work required. That is, to provide carbohydrate relative to the demands of your upcoming session while aiming to deplete muscle glycogen to levels within the glycogen threshold that are necessary to elicit optimal adaptations. Therefore, during sessions intended to boost your endurance, it may help enhance your fat burning capacity and mitochondrial biogenesis to use low carbohydrate availability but high-intensity quality sessions that are designed to increase your speed, power and race day prowess are best performed with high carbohydrate availability. This sounds great, but maybe you are wondering, do elite athletes use carbohydrate periodization? Sometimes science is way behind practice. Carbohydrate periodization is a very sexy sounding phrase, but the principle is not new. Ernst van Aachen, a.k.a. the running doctor, German coach to many an elite marathoner and perhaps inventor of the long, slow distance thing, had his athletes do fasted long runs and twice-a-day sessions without food, train low, among fed sessions in the 1950s. In the modern era, several large-scale cohort studies show there is a mismatch between recommendations and practice. Many athletes do not achieve energy availability and or carbohydrate availability guidelines. But anecdotal evidence suggests that many successful endurance athletes use a carbohydrate periodization approach, either knowingly, like Chris Froome, or unwittingly, any athlete who does sessions before breakfast. Case studies have reported that some elite marathoners use carbohydrate periodization in their training while observational cohort studies have also found that some road races, but typically not track and middle distance races, self-report using carbohydrate periodization methods, as do some elite road runners and race walkers. Furthermore, anecdotal accounts from Sweat Elite and Adharanan Find also document that Kenyan distance runners, arguably the best endurance runners on the planet, adopt carbohydrate periodization principles as part of their habits of daily living. Observations that are supported by published studies documenting frequent use of train-low approaches among world-class East African distance runners. 
The observations that some successful elite athletes use carbohydrate periodization in their toolbox combined with the knowledge that train low and or sleep low practices enhance post-session molecular signaling in muscle leads to an obvious question. Does carbohydrate periodization enhance performance? I previously delved deep into Louise Burke's supernova studies, in which her team examined the effects of three weeks of a low-carb ketogenic diet on race performance in world-class endurance athletes. But I did not reveal all. While Burke and her colleagues compared a low-carb ketogenic diet to a high-carb diet, there was also a third group, a carbohydrate periodization intervention that combined train-low and sleep-low approaches. Supernova 1 showed that athletes who adapted to a low-carbohydrate ketogenic diet increased their oxygen cost of exercise, reduced economy, and did not improve their 10km race performance, while athletes eating a high-carbohydrate diet or a periodized carbohydrate diet improved their running economy and their 10km race performance. In simple terms, Supernova 1 showed us that world-class endurance athletes need carbohydrate to optimally adapt to intense training and perform at their best. The replication study, Supernova 2, reproduced those findings to a T. Following the three-week intensive training camp, on average, high-carb athletes got 2.2 minutes quicker in a 10km race, while periodized carbohydrate athletes got one minute quicker. However, the low-carbohydrate ketogenic folks got 1.4 minutes slower, even despite switching to a two-week high-carb diet and tapering their training after the intervention. But when we are looking to understand the wicked and nuanced problem of training for endurance performance, average changes are not so useful. You are an N of 1 after all. Fortunately, Burke's team kindly published their raw data on FigShare. So, I calculated the odds ratios and the relative risks of the athlete's performance improvements. An athlete's odds, i.e. their chance, of having an increase in 10km race performance was 8 in 10 on the high-carb diet, 7 in 10 on the periodized carb diet, and just 1 in 10 on the low-carb diet while the chance of a decrease in race performance was 3 in 10 on both the high-carb and the periodized carb diets, and a massive 9 in 10 on the low-carb diet. By dividing the odds ratios, we can then see that an athlete's relative risk of worsening their performance when following a low-carbohydrate ketogenic diet during an intense training period is 4, versus either the high-carb or periodized diet. In non-gobbledygook language, in comparison to the low-carb keto diet folks, the high-carb diet munchers were eight times more likely to improve their performance, and athletes gobbling a periodized carbohydrate diet seven times more likely to improve. Besides the supernova studies, as of 2021, just a couple of other studies have experimentally tested the carbohydrate periodization approach. In 2016, Lauriane Marquette and colleagues in France and Australia randomised 11 trained cyclists into two groups, each completing a one-week intervention of six training sessions plus either a periodised carbohydrate intake, sleep low, or the same six grams of carbohydrate per kilo per day distributed over each day. The outcome? 
the Carbohydrate Periodization Group improved their 20km time trial performance due to a change in pacing strategy with higher power output during the second part of the test. In the same year, Lorianne Moquette published a similar study where 21 triathletes were randomised to two groups, completing a three-week intervention. This time, they compared 6 grams per kilogram per day of carbohydrates distributed over each day to a periodised carbohydrate approach that combined train high, that is interval sessions with high carbohydrate availability, sleep low and train low fasted easy sessions. Athletes who followed the carbohydrate periodization strategy improved their cycling economy, their anaerobic cycling capacity and their 10km running time trial performance. In 2017, Niels Ortenblad's lab in Denmark followed a four-week study of 26 elite endurance athletes, which included triathletes and cyclists, who were randomised to a periodised carbohydrate group or an evenly distributed carbohydrate group. On three days per week, athletes completed a morning high-intensity interval session followed by a moderate-intensity ride seven hours later. In between sessions, on those days, the carbohydrate periodization group consumed a low-carb diet, one gram per kilo, train low, while the other group received a high-carb diet, six grams of carbohydrate per kilogram body mass. After four weeks, markers of mitochondrial adaptations, VO2 max and 30-minute time trial performance increased. But there was no difference between groups indicating that carbohydrate periodization solely using a train-low approach does not enhance training adaptations. So, the burning question is, should you be using a carbohydrate periodization strategy? Endurance races are not competitions of who has the highest fat oxidation rate. Endurance races are won by athletes who are economical and fast. For example, Jim Wormsley, the world mountain running champ, Western States 100-mile record holder, a 104 half-marathoner and 215 marathoner. Famous keto athletes who are smart and world-class, Zach Bitter comes to mind, don't win big races while keto. They are in a state of nutritional ketosis during a lot of their training, but for key sessions and on race day, they line up in a state of high carbohydrate availability. In the face of that, however, many keto folks maintain that a persistent ketogenic diet and being in a continual state of ketosis are the way forward for maximising endurance performance. But, as I have said before, celebrity endorsement is not a green light for scientific merit. And no Olympic champion in distance races has ever won gold with a low carbohydrate availability. The work of the Carlsberg-funded 1920 Nobel laureate August Crow, showed that recent diet probably influences metabolic fuel choice during low to, to moderate intensity exercise, as well as people's ability to perform exercise. A century later, we are armed with the knowledge that chronic low-carb ketogenic diets indeed increase fat burning during exercise, but also increase the oxygen cost of exercise and blunt training-induced performance gains when trying to race at a high intensity. Therefore, just like August Crow's funding source would say, it is probably best not to put all your eggs in the fat-burning basket. 
Successful training is multifaceted and should not be reduced to a single input like being fat adapted or maximizing your fat oxidation rates. If your interest is to train to see maximal gains in endurance performance, the experimental evidence convincingly shows us that the periodized carbohydrate approach outperforms a low-carb ketogenic diet, which reduces running economy and impairs endurance race performance. But the experimental evidence also demonstrates that carbohydrate periodization offers no further advantage to endurance performance than the traditional train-high approach. For this reason, carbohydrate periodization has been widely discussed by eminent scholars in sports nutrition, but it is not an inherent part of sports nutrition position statement guidelines from either the ACSM, the American College of Sports Medicine, or the ISSN, International Society for Sports Nutrition. This may change as more studies are published and when a systematic review and meta-analysis becomes available. But for now, carbohydrate periodization is a suggestion, not a rule. You might therefore ask yourself, why don't I just train with a high carb availability all the time? Good question. And indeed you can. Daily consistency is far easier to adopt in real life, especially for regular athletes who are not supported by Supernova's fine team of chefs and dietitians to fine-tune their periodized carb behavior. Furthermore, field observations made in the training camps of Kenya and Ethiopian distance legends find that daily food intake of these East African endurance masters is a carbohydrate hullabaloo. They eat approximately 9 to 10 grams of carbohydrates per kilogram body mass per day, contributing to 65 to 75% of their daily caloric intake. Mimicking the best might not be such a bad idea. But there are practical advantages to training with carbohydrate periodization. By occasionally training low and or sleeping low, you take the stress out of always having to consider your nutrition. Such practices can also help with time management. For example, getting up to train in the morning doesn't have to mean arising at 5am to eat, wait two hours, then train before work. You can simply wake up, implement your gingerbread man prevention protocol, poop, get dressed and rock and roll. Plus, if we once again observe and learn from the best, Sweat Elite and Adharanan Finn have documented that the best endurance runners on the planet adhere to carbohydrate periodization principles as part of their habits of daily living. Such observations are also supported by experimental evidence showing frequent use of train-low approaches among world-class endurance athletes. I'll say it again, mimicking the best might not be such a bad idea. But also remember that this is just one small factor that contributes to their success. We do not know if East Africans would be just as good if they did not periodize their carbohydrate intake. So, yes, you could use a carbohydrate periodization strategy, and it is superior to a persistent train-low strategy but it does not appear to be an essential replacement for a persistent train-high strategy. Putting fuel for the work required into practice. As a coach, I have experienced a trend where increasing numbers of athletes want to adopt a low-carb diet. 
I have also noticed that increasing numbers of athletes who reach out to me for help are already low-carb munchers. In every case so far, I have discovered that such athletes continue their low-carb practice up to and on race day. In every case, I have remedied that with high-carb availability for key sessions and leading into race days and during races with success every time. That is my empirical evidence. But implementing carbohydrate periodization with precision is tricky. When I discuss carbohydrate periodization with my athletes, it is common to hear that they would plan to reduce carb intake by skipping meals. This is not ideal because it is a fast route to a state of low energy availability, meaning that total energy intake and protein intake needs will not be met and their desired adaptations will not arise. Consequently, I typically need to carefully discuss these nuances and provide some education. Taking a fuel-for-the-work-required approach by providing carbohydrate relative to the demands of your upcoming session, while also aiming to finish your sessions within the glycogen threshold necessary to elicit optimal adaptations, requires expert knowledge of nutrition and energy metabolism. And, even if you had the knowledge, you cannot take muscle biopsies to measure glycogen in between every session. But life is full of surprises, and thanks to Jose Arita and Will Hopkins' 2018 meta-analysis of all known glycogen depletion studies, you can make a well-informed estimate. I used their data to create a simple fuel-for-the-work-required tool, which you can use to estimate your basal glycogen levels, the amount of glycogen you use in your sessions, and how many carbohydrates you need to eat after a session to replenish glycogen. To find that tool, please go to the link in the show notes. To further extend your knowledge and learn how a train low and sleep low carbohydrate periodization training program might look, I suggest consulting the examples provided by Louise Burke and her colleagues. Or you can use my simple framework as a guide at vo2.com forward slash fuel for the work required. What can you add to your nutritional toolbox? The train low, sleep low or live low approaches are many routes to the same goal. Reduced muscle glycogen and increased fat oxidation. But high fat oxidation does not equal high speed, nor does it equal a high ability to resist fatigue when travelling at high speed. Don't forget about performance. When operating at high intensities, When oxygen delivery to muscles becomes a limiting factor because you are approaching your VO2 max, it is entirely intuitive that your body will try to use the most economical fuel to use less oxygen while continuing to produce ATP at the rate it needs to keep moving forward with speedy grace, or at the very least, a speedy war face. Therefore, I would encourage you to consider your race goals and then consider your power output and metabolic needs to achieve those goals. Are you logging all your training miles to try to run slow? Are you trying to impress your competitors with how far you can go without food? Are you trying to impress your competitors or the gods of grammatical riddles with how fast you can run slowly? No, of course not. You probably want to break your PBs and win races. 
The evidence that a persistent, low-carb, ketogenic diet is good for athletic performance is weak. At best, a low-carb, high-fat diet approach yields comparable performance outcomes when compared to a high-carbohydrate diet. But the bulk of the evidence shows that low-carb, high-fat diet impairs endurance performance. No experimental or epidemiological evidence has ever shown that a high-carbohydrate diet impairs endurance performance. And the best endurance runners on the planet, the East Africans, habitually eat a high-carbohydrate diet to, to support their high training load. Periodizing your carbohydrate intake can help augment some of the intended training adaptations of a low-carb diet while ensuring that you have a high-carbohydrate availability to maintain high-power output during key sessions and races, fuel for the work required. But although this approach is inherent for East African distance maestros, the carbohydrate periodization strategy has not been shown to offer additional performance benefits over the traditional high-carbohydrate diet approach. As an athlete, maintaining a healthy eating pattern is key, and consistency is the best way to maintain a good habit. Periodizing carbohydrate availability is an inconsistent nutritional pattern, and if you get it wrong by inadvertently reducing total energy intake or compromising micronutrient intake, all your hard work will be undone. Without the support of expert knowledge, juggling train low, sleep low, and train high, sleep high strategies may not be appropriate for you. Without such support, you might ponder, why introduce a risky, inconsistent nutritional pattern over a consistent nutritional pattern that has never been shown to impair performance? Because running before breakfast, train low, or not eating after a nighttime run, sleep low, might offer practical or logistical advantages. So, if you are curious, to help implement such strategies while maintaining optimal habits of daily eating to meet your specific carbohydrate and protein intake needs, thoroughly educate yourself in nutrition and energy metabolism, or seek dietary counselling from a nutritionist or dietitian. Or, you could do as the Kenyans do. Keep it simple. Train fasted sometimes, train fed other times, always support key sessions with a high carbohydrate availability, and always race with a high carbohydrate availability. Thanks for joining me on this Nutritional Manipulations for Training series. The high versus low carb debate has been rampant my entire life, and it re-emerges from time to time. It will probably never stop, because Carlsberg needs to keep selling beer. No, the world needs an answer. And many of the folks debating it forget one important detail. The purpose of their diet. No doubt we have yet to hear the end of this never-ending story. Who knows, perhaps Wolfgang Peterson will direct the Hollywood version. Until that time, keep training smart. I occasionally mention brands and products, but it is important to know that I am not sponsored by or receiving advertisement royalties from anyone. I have conducted biomedical research for which I have received research money from publicly funded national research councils and medical charities. 
and also from private companies, including Novo Nordisk Foundation, AstraZeneca, Amelin, the AP Muller Foundation, and the Augustinus Foundation. These companies had no control over the research design, data analysis, or publication outcomes of my work. Any recommendations I make are, and always will be, based on my own views and opinions shaped by the evidence available. The information I provide is not medical advice. Before making any changes to your habits of daily living based on any information I provide, always ensure it is safe for you to do so and consult your doctor if you are ever unsure.